Hello, and welcome to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. My name is Tony, and I'm the Digital Ministry Manager here at OFA. Today we have a message for you from our sermon series titled, The Spirit-Filled Life. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled with His power in our lives. Our lead pastor, Todd Starnes, will be sharing powerful insights into this important topic. We'll also hear from myself and Derek Thurlby on different aspects of the Spirit-Filled Life. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's message from The Spirit-Filled Life. And services and, and this ministry, and I, you know, it, it, it's always been fun. Uh, you know, it was years ago, I was a, I was a youth pastor, and, and we took a group of our students, and, and the far majority of them, um, church really didn't know anything about the Lord, and um, we, we took them on a, a, a ski retreat. And we had about uh, 30, 40 students. I can't remember what it was, but it was, a, it was a healthy number. And so we'd go skiing during the day, then have services at night. And so most of these students, they, had never, they had, hadn't been to camp yet. They hadn't really experienced. And I mean, God just, I mean, God just moved. I mean, it was really a beautiful thing. And so seeing the Lord through the Holy Spirit move in these students' lives, and, and they were, there was a, a, a physical manifestations happening that they never encountered before, and hearing them testify about it and talk about it, I love just when somebody hasn't encountered the Lord like that and they try to express it. They try to talk about it. And I mean, there was even a few students, you know, they were testifying about it and, and they're, you know, uh, they're like, even when you filled me with the Holy Spirit, you know, and which is not really, I mean, it had nothing to do with me. It was the Lord. And it really wasn't them being filled with the Spirit. I mean, they just, I mean, as far as a baptism, but they had no other way to describe. I mean, they were laying on the floor. They were weeping. God was just moving in a special way. And so I want to give some perspective over the next month or so about the Holy Spirit just working in our life and what that looks like. But I think to, to, uh, to begin that, we have to understand the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And so we, I forgot all about announcements. It just hit me. We'll pull it later. I had a cool like sumper, sermon bumper intro and all that. But anyway, we'll roll it later. Sorry. I know you worked hard on it, Tony. Uh, a recent survey, listen to this. A recent survey found that 51% say that the Holy Spirit, 51% in church, believers, Christians, 51% say the Spirit is not a personal being. And only 42% affirm that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. And I think those are pretty staggering things because as I'm going to talk to you in a few moments, there's a lot in church that cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. There's a lot in our lives that cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. And what I want us to understand this morning is the Holy Spirit has been since the beginning. The Holy Spirit has been since the beginning. I almost worded that the Holy Spirit has been with us since the beginning, but I, that's, I mean, even though that's true, I think an accurate, more accurate term is, I mean, God, uh, the, the, the Trinity in its entirety existed before what we now know existed. Or even when we're talking about Genesis 1-1, they have existed. The Holy Spirit, excuse me, has been since the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we see it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was formless and empty, and the darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. 
the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Lord's Spirit. I mean, it's, it, it's all interchangeable, but what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit, and he was there since the beginning. I mean, you can even read in Job about the breath of life being blown into Adam's lungs, and that breath wasn't like us breathing, but that breath was actually the Holy Spirit igniting life inside of Adam. That all happened through the Holy Spirit. The, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit is found all through the Old Testament. He's in the beginning and he's all through the Old Testament. And the reason why I point that out this morning is, is for us to understand, you know, the Holy Spirit, it, it's like not some new age thing. It, the Holy Spirit wasn't just something that happened um, just randomly, but he's been here since the beginning. He's been here through the Old Testament. Psalm 5111 we see that work of the Spirit. You know, David, he had committed um, really just heinous acts, not just with Bathsheba, but making sure her husband was put on the front lines to be killed to try to cover up his sin. And when Nathan exposes it all, David, we see David's prayer in Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, 11, part of that prayer was this, and don't take the Holy Spirit from me. I mean, even David's talking about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We also see in 2 Peter 1.21, this is an important one, that Scripture did not happen um, just randomly or from, as verse 21 starts off, our human initiative. No, those prophets, talking about those in the Old Testament, were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. I mean, you can go all through the Old Testament and see the work of the Holy Spirit and, and him upon people and working and, and doing his work. But of course, we also really see the personhood of the Holy Spirit come to light in the New Testament. And I'm going to go through this really quickly. So are you with me? Thank, a couple of you. Good. Good job. I'll give you a dollar later. Okay. He was... I mean, we see his work all through the New Testament, but I just really want to point out in the book of Acts. I mean, the book of Acts is the birth of the church, and we see so much taking place and so much happening. In Acts 5, it, it talks about, um, this is Stephen, we are witnesses to these things, and, who, and so also is the Holy Spirit. Acts 11, the, whole, the Spirit told me to go with them. I mean, you're going to see a lot of personhood traits about the Holy Spirit. Being the title, the Holy Spirit is not in it. The Spirit told me to go with them. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can send out. Acts 13, 4. For it seemed good. I love this one. I really do because I think as a body of believers, we really need to get a hold of this one a whole lot more. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I mean, there we read. If you want to read about what happened in Acts fifteen, I encourage you to do that. But we see a partnership and a a unity amongst the believers and the person of the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Maybe more good would happen if we would quit doing it our way and do things that seem good to the Holy Spirit. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word. I mean, think about that with Paul in Acts 16. They tried to go, but the Spirit did not permit them. We see in the next verse, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia, Acts 19. I mean, the Holy Spirit was doing this work and drew him, which we're going to talk about in just a few moments. The Holy Spirit tells me 
in city after city, Acts 20. Of course, Paul is writing there. The Holy Spirit speaks. You see that he speaks. And so here's what I want you to know this morning. The Holy Spirit is not an apparition. I know that's not a word when normally we normally, I, I was trying to think of how do I word this? How do I say this? The Holy Spirit is not an apparition. I know kind of in the, in the more, you know, the older translations, the King James, New King James, we see, you know, the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost is not a ghost. I know in the newer translations, we see Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit does describe who he is a little bit better, but he's not in the spirit of the form of, of like a poltergeist or, you know, a, a sheet floating around. He's not, a, he's not an apparition. He, the Holy Spirit is not a force that is controlled by God. And I think sometimes that's where we get that it from, that we think the Holy Spirit is like this, there's this unseen force that is, you know, doing the work of God. Listen, the Holy Spirit is God, and through him the nature of the Father is expressed to you. The Holy Spirit is God, and through him the nature of the Father is expressed to us. And this is so important, and I know I've talked along these lines before, but when you go through the Old Testament, you see the places where God reveals himself. You know, one of those places would be with Abraham. He's taking Isaac up to be sacrificed. Anybody remember that story? I know some may not, but Abraham's taking Isaac up to be sacrificed. And, and we, you gotta, I mean, Isaac's not nine years old right now. I mean, Isaac most likely is like, you know, teenager, maybe up in his 30s. I mean, it's not like he's just a clueless dude. I mean, he, he kind of had a feeling that something was up, and he kept asking his dad, uh, Dad, we're going to sacrifice, but... I ain't seeing no sacrifice. And Moses kept replying, or Moses, Abraham kept replying, the Lord will provide. And it came that moment that he was fixing to um, uh, sacrifice Isaac. And I mean, Isaac, I mean, I'm thinking Abraham's an old man. Isaac said he could have overpowered his dad if he wanted to, but yet he submitted. That's, that's a whole nother sermon. But in the last moments, an angel stopped him, and there was a ram in the thicket. And it's that moment, that compound name of God, Jehovah Jireh, has been expressed to us. And so we talk about the Lord God is our provider. And so there's this, there's this characteristic of God that is made known to us. And so all through Scripture, you see those encounters of the Lord God. You know, matter of fact, you know, the children of Israel come out of Egypt. And in Exodus 32, there's an encounter, and God's speaking to Moses, and God tells Moses, if you will obey my laws, and just walk out how I tell you to walk out, none of the diseases that fell upon the Egyptians will come upon you. And that's where we get the name Jehovah Rophe, the Lord God, our healer. Do we believe God is a healer? And so a nature of God was expressed to us. Is this making sense? I'm just trying to teach a little bit. I know it. Sometimes we kind of hit the snooze button, but listen to me. And we see the same pattern in, in Jesus. I mean, how did Jesus, I mean, we see that, you know, he's the good shepherd. You go through the New Testament. He's the gate. He's the bread of life. He's, he's light. We see all these expressions. And it, it, what it does is relate to us who God is. The Holy Spirit is the same way. Why? Because they work together in unison. They are the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. And so the Holy Spirit, he's going to express to us the nature of God. 
And what's important about that is so many times a lot of people have, a, have the wrong view of who God is or the Father, that he's a dictator, that he's, you know, that he's uh, uh, you know, mean. And, and, and many times if we have a, a negative relationship with our earthly father, we tend to transfer that to the Father. Listen to me. If you want to know who the Father is, look at Jesus and look at the Holy Spirit. If you want to know who God is, Father God is, look at Jesus and look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some prize. The Holy Spirit is not a, a second salvation that you know gets the, the, uh, an anointing gets handed to people and that seem more spiritual. No, the Holy Spirit is for everybody. It's for all of us in the. He's for all of us in the room. It, it's not true to think that, you know, I got, I'm some super Christian, so I get more of the Holy Spirit. That's not how that it works. The Holy Spirit is not a Jiminy Cricket. And I know maybe that maybe predates a few in the house, but if you've, if you've seen, you, you know what I'm talking about. But it, I mean, the Holy Spirit, it's not some, you know, a, a, another force that's like, you know, we have the angel on this side telling us the good things to do and the devil on this side, the bad things to do. But listen, the Holy Spirit is someone that resides on the inside of us. Who, who, if I could express, possesses us. The Holy Spirit is not a silent partner. We often treat the Holy Spirit as the inferior part of the Trinity. But the reality is all three are fully God. The Holy Spirit is not a silent partner that sits by this kind of in the wings. No, the Holy Spirit is active. He's active upon, he's active within. And so our concept of the Holy Spirit is not just some divine, listen, the Holy Spirit is just not some divine power to get a hold of if we treat it that way, I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why so many people fail. You know, the Bible says that pride becomes for a fall is they treat the Holy Spirit like their beck and call boy. But that is not who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not a power that we get a hold of and, and use according to our will. You know, it's not like, you know, we got some superpower that we get the Holy Spirit and we're like, Holy Spirit, there, go there, do that, do this. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person and he has a voice. I love John 16, 13. I, when you look at John 16, 13, 14, and 15, I think it gives so much theology and doctrine about who the Holy Spirit is and his relation to us. But listen, it tells us that he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he speaks. That's the same thing that Jesus did. Are you awake this morning? Are you with me? Uh, the Bible says that Jesus only did what he saw his father do. That Jesus only spoke what he heard from his Father. The Holy Spirit is the same way. He takes from the Father and he makes it known to us. And I want you to know there is a, a rising movement that is telling us that the, a, a Christian movement that believed that Jesus 
virgin birth, sinless life, died on the cross, rose again from the grave, and sits at the right hand of the Father, yet believes that God does not speak to us today. I'm going to tell you that he does. And he does that because of the Holy Spirit. He has placed the Holy Spirit in the inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit has a will. Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't do things according to our will, but the Father's will. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the nine, the, the, power, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about some point in the series, but you know, it talks about those words of knowledge, words of wisdom, um, uh, uh, messages in tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, faith, all of those things. But listen to me, when you read 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it gives a very important disclaimer that all of this happens according to the will of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has emotions. I mean, you can read. Uh, matter of fact, I, I know it's not going to be on the screen, but I want to read to you. It's there listed in your notes if you have them. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, or 1, 6, 1, 6. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. And you become imitators of us and for the Lord, for you receive the word in much affliction. Listen, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has emotions, and one of them is joy. And that you could go through and find a whole lot more. The, uh, the Holy Spirit is love and so many. But we also read in Ephesians 4.30 that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Listen, the Holy, just like you experience emotions, the Holy Spirit experiences, has emotions. He comforts. I mean, you have to have um, some level of personhood to know what it means to comfort. Acts 9-11 tells us that, um, that all through Judea, Galilee, Samaria, um, that things were happening, that there was the, the fear of the Lord, and it says that in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Listen, God's not involved in a process of addition, but it's always multiplication. And think about the Holy Spirit's comfort being multiplied to you. Zephaniah 3.17 talks about that he quiets us with his love. That happens because of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He teaches, 1 Corinthians 2.13, and we impart in words not by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. I know it's been some time, but you know, I think some, at some point I have had to share this story, but I met a man, I'm not going to go into all the details just for time's sake, but I, I met a man and had a conversation with him that he was illiterate, he couldn't read, he was a biker guy, rough guy, and, and through a miraculous set of circumstances, he gives his heart to the Lord and gets saved. And he was laying in bed. He's like, God, I want to know your word. I want to, I want to be able to read your word. But he's very embarrassed about not being able to read. And so the, the Holy Spirit began to work. And, a, and, and really, a miracle happened. And in his words, the Holy Spirit taught him to read. He said he would open up the Bible and, he would, and he'd hear the words in his heart of what he was looking at. And that's how he learned to read. Listen, if God can raise Jesus from the dead... He can teach you to read. That's just powerful to me. He teaches. He can be insulted. Hebrews 10, 29 talks about, um, you know, about a, a worse punishment. But I don't want to get into all of it just for time. 
but it talks about that the, 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 the blood of Jesus being profaned and that it has outraged the spirit of grace. Listen, there's a lot of people you may not care to make mad, but don't make mad the Holy, Holy Ghost, right? He can be resisted. I mean, Stephen's sermon, when he's about to be stoned, he talks about you're being resistant as your fathers were to the Holy Spirit. And I think probably besides hearing his voice and being led by the Spirit, resisting what he's witnessing into our heart is one of the biggest things that we struggle with. Because so many times the Holy Spirit will speak to us and give us a witness inside of our heart and we have a very difficult time walking that out because we try to understand it through our head. He can be lied to. We see Ananias and Sapphira. If you don't know the story, go back and read it in, uh, in Acts chapter 5. But it talks about, uh, matter of fact, Peter says to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart and you lie to the Holy Spirit and he drops dead? And all that happened, all that happened was, you know, they were in a season, a time where, where people were selling things. They were kind of living communally. And, and as and Sapphira had sold some property and they came to bring their money and to make it look like that uh, they were being super spiritual, only gave a certain amount, you know, but they had sold it for a whole lot more. I mean, could you imagine now? In verse 9, and so Anna and I, I don't know why they weren't together or whatever, but then Sapphira's wife walks in, and, and, and Peter's like, why are you testing the Spirit of the Lord? And she lied, and, and the Bible says that, uh, uh, verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. I would imagine so. <laughs> so how do, what, what do we take from this? What, how does the personhood of the Holy Spirit impact us? But I want you to know this morning, it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to God. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to God. John chapter 6 and verse 44. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And the last day I'll raise them up. That happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that's a process that happens just for Salvation. I think it's something continual that happens all through our Christian walk. I told you something last week. I said we can't go beyond our last disobedience. Listen, the Holy Spirit is constantly working and drawing, drawing us to the will of the Father. Because the Holy Spirit wants us to know the Father. And when you talk about drawing here... In John 6, there is a specific meaning of the Greek word draw. And what it literally means is to drag. Is to drag. So think about that for a moment. I mean, this is for unbelievers and this is for us as believers. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has to drag us along. I mean, you ever, I mean, you know, you've seen the, the kid in the supermarket and the mom dragging them by the, you know, and they're screaming or whatever. That was Kaylee at one. It may surprise you. Little quiet Kaylee up here that helped with worship this morning that we're so proud of. One time her shoulder got dislocated because she was going to fight against mom. <laughs> and she just went limp and popped her shoulder out. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just drags us. I mean, Acts 21.6, when it talks about that they threw their nets out, 
when they threw their nets out, so they did, and they couldn't haul in the, because there's so many fish, that haul is that same word. And I, so I'm, I'm trying to give you a, a, a visual image of that word draw, what it means. Acts 16, 19, um, it talks about, you know, Paul and Silas, this is before they get, th- they're being thrown in a prison and they worship at midnight anyway. Anybody remember that story? When it talks about that Paul and Silas and drag them before the authorities, that's the same Greek word that the Holy Spirit draws us. Listen, there's so many things we say sometimes, and one of them is, is that you can't be somebody else's Holy Spirit. And you may be in the house this morning, and maybe you have lost kids. Maybe you have lost grandkids. Maybe you've got people on your heart that, you know what, I, and, and the, the reality is this, we can, we can bring them to water, but we can't make them drink, right? We, what we really need to do is to sick the Holy Spirit on them. Sick them, Holy Spirit. Because it's his purpose and job anyway. And I know sometimes it's a scary, dangerous thing to pray, but I'm going to tell you, it's worth somebody coming to the Lord to pray, Lord, whatever you have to do in their life to get their attention. However it is that you got to drag them, draw them, Lord, do it. Lord, I just just ask you to do it and do that work in them. So the Holy Spirit, he draws. But listen, when you are a surrendered, submitted person, that drawing is something that is so special. And that's where maturity takes place so many times in our life because we listen and we heed that drawing. And it's not like him grabbing us by the ear and making us go. It's, Lord, wherever, wherever you want me to go, whatever, whatever you want me to do. And the more you obey that working of the Holy Spirit in you, the more he will do it. The more he will do it. Are you awake? Are you good? So how does the Holy Spirit draw? One way is that he convicts, is that he brings conviction. A word that we really don't like in today's society, but the Holy Spirit convicts, John 16, 8, that he will convict the world of its sin. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of his sin and God's righteousness and the coming judgment. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's the enemy's job to condemn. Don't ever forget that. But here's the problem. Just because the Holy Spirit is convicting you some way doesn't mean the enemy is condemning you. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit starts to work in us, maybe through a preacher Maybe through a friend, maybe through something that's said, and they're like, oh, they're just condemning me. No, the Holy Spirit is actually convicting you to bring change into your life. Conviction is actually a good thing. When he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin to expose the facts, the truth is what it's talking about. Number, the second thing is this, the Holy Spirit creates spiritual hunger in us. When we allow the Holy Spirit to draw us, when we embrace that working, that conviction of the Holy Spirit in us, there's something that's going to happen is a spiritual hunger is going to be created on the inside of you. And if you're ever, listen, sometimes we go through seasons 
We go through seasons, we go through deserts, we go through difficult times, we go through dry times, and there can be all sorts of reasons for that scripturally, but sometimes we go through those seasons and it's difficult, maybe you're praying, you don't feel like your, your prayers are getting past the roof, maybe nothing's working out like you want to work out, and you can really point that to just a couple of things. One is that God is using that desert, that, that difficult time to bring a refining and to your life. I mean, he talks about the fire refines us. We go through these trials and tribulations because it refines us. It refines our faith. But there's also another reason that it happens. And another reason that happens is because we have decided not to allow the Holy Spirit to draw us in the direction that we need to go, to lead us in the direction that we need to go. But if you will allow the Holy Spirit to guide you it will create more of a hunger in you. And here's, I want you to important, understand something very important this morning. It's in James chapter four and verse five. That the spirit that he has placed inside of you, he has caused to be jealous. Listen, that's not meaning that, listen, we, we, we can't live life out as jealous people, but when God formed you and fashioned you, the spirit man that he placed on the inside of you, we are spirit, soul, and body, that spirit man that he has placed on the inside of you cannot be satisfied with anything but the spirit of God. But we try to fill it with so many different things. And this goes for somebody that's been saved for 40 years or barely saved. We can go through seasons and we begin to fill that spirit man with a bunch of junk that we don't need to fill it with. And that's when we fast and we, we, we seek God and we do our times of prayer and fasting and, and, and allow the God to do that work in us. But if you will heed the drawing of the Holy Spirit, he will create a greater hunger in you than you can imagine. The problem with me going and getting those mozzarella sticks is I want more now. I want more today. I don't need any more. But I want more. You know, every year, we do, when, at the first of the year, we do that 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I mean, it was just an awesome season this time. And I keep thinking, man, I'm not going to go back on Cokes. I'm, you know, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I drink my first Dr. Pepper. And I'm like, yep, here we go. And so that, I mean, I'm like, you know what? I, I got to have a Dr. Pepper. I got to have a Dr. Pepper. It's the same way in the spiritual realm Listen, remember, things in the kingdom are always exponential. And so if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? You exponentially get hard. You exponentially get hard. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit and allow that work into your life, you know what happens? Man, you exponentially become this vessel that God's intended you to be. The third and final thing is this. The Holy Spirit empowers you to walk in the new life. Listen, you don't have to walk this thing out in your own strength. You don't have to live this thing out in your own strength. God will empower you to walk the new life. I mean, that promise that we talk about so often, we have the canvas hanging up in our foyer. I mean, there's hardly a week goes by. We don't talk about 2 Corinthians 5.17 for those who belong to Christ you become a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. 
That happens because it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And again, it's not just for those that are just getting saved. It's a perpetual thing that happens in our life. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm, I'm really trying to tell you how you can have a shift in your life where it's different. That you keep, that you stop repeating the same old patterns and something in your life shifts. Living the Spirit-filled life, allowing the Spirit to have full control of your life. Romans 6.4, I love this verse. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by his glorious power of the Father, now also we may live new lives. You can live new lives in the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you to stand just for a few moments today. Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 1030 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.